0: Hi there, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Kaderna podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna and as always, I'm happy to have you joining us. So as many of our followers are already aware from recent episodes, on March 27th, Congress passed the historic Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, or the CARES Act, which allocated over $367 billion in loans to small businesses, including the popular PPP, Paycheck Protection Program, that included loans of up to $10 million to small business owners, uh, an incentive to try and keep their employees employed. What you may not have heard yet is that as of last week, the allocated funds were completely depleted. And just yesterday, Monday, April 27th, the Senate released another $310 billion for the Paycheck Protection Program and an additional $60 billion for the EIDL. We're going to bring you up to speed and share all that a business owner needs to know within the next 45 minutes. As many of our followers already know, each month we host a special guest on the show, sometimes a celebrity, an athlete, a financial commentator, anyone that can add expertise to the areas of personal finance and business. Considering the current pandemic and economic environment, there's probably no one more fitting than today's guest, Jerry Detweiler. For those of you who don't know Jerry, she's a nationally recognized expert on financing and credit with over 20 years of experience in this niche. She was interviewed hundreds of times during the 2008-2009 financial crisis for small business guidance. Again, she's at the forefront. She serves as the education director for NAV, NAV, you could check them out on www.nav.com, which is the trusted financing partner to over 1.2 million businesses.
1: The podcast.
0: The podcast. The podcast all right Jerry welcome to the show
2: oh thank you Brian I'm I love to talk about these uh programs for small business owners so happy to be here
0: yeah thank you pretty crazy time that we're dealing with huh
2: Sure is. I mean, it's just upended uh, all our lives in so many ways. And uh, for me, it's, you know, it's a, it's a repeat of that 2008-2009 meltdown multiplied by many times. So it's it's definitely a challenging time.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. And and I always say when we start to deal with health and, and what started as a health crisis, there's just so many unknowns. So it's certainly different than uh, just dealing directly with finance. We kind of have Health and wealth, you know, colliding in, in this scenario. And where are you calling in from today?
2: I'm based in Sarasota, Florida.
0: Okay. And so, how are you folks uh, handling everything down where you're at?
2: Well, I've been working remotely for many years, so it hasn't changed my work life that much, except that I feel like I'm not ever not working. <laughs> <laughs> because these programs are changing so quickly. When I think of what's happened in the past month uh, with the small business relief programs, it's been a, a daily effort to try to keep up with the latest news and guidance, and and answer answer questions from small business owners. So it's definitely been uh, intense. But you know, it, it feels good that I can do something, right? I'm I'm not a, I'm not a first responder. I can't help anyone, you know, directly with their health issues. But hopefully, I can help a little bit with some guidance on the small business side. And, and uh, that's certainly important too.
0: Certainly. And speaking to some of the speed of all this, because I know you're trying to keep up and keep your finger on the pulse of everything. I listened to an interview last night with Mark Cuban and he said, you know, traditionally when you come up with a strategy, it's ready, aim, fire. And that this time around, just because of how things were progressing so quickly, it was ready, fire, aim. And so obviously we're dealing with a bit of the the fallout here as everybody kind of navigates and learns things on the go. Um, So I'm happy to hear that we have people like you to lean on uh, You know, with a lot of confusing stuff coming at us very quickly. And one of the questions I just want to start with, if you don't mind, was earlier this week, the Senate passed legislation to provide an additional $380 billion in COVID relief loans for small businesses. Can you share a little bit of of what that's going to mean for the small business owner Uh, after we had just touched on the entire plan was more or less depleted already in the first round?
2: Yes, yeah, so there are two small business relief programs that are available to um, business owners, and you can actually apply for both of them. So we can get into more details, but one is the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, and the disaster loan program has been around for many years. So that's the program if there's a fire, or a hurricane, or a tornado. You know, they uh, business owners can get help getting their business back on its feet. It's a low interest rate loan, and uh, in in early March they made that program available for um, all business owners impacted by COVID uh, nationwide, so it quickly expanded to all 50 states. Uh, The CARES Act then was passed on March 27th, and that law was designed to do two things related to those loans. One is it, it, it created the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program Loans. And uh, that's a short-term loan that can be completely forgiven if used properly, mostly for payroll. And then the second was they added a component to the disaster loan, which is an advance or a grant where you can get up to $10,000. supposed to happen within three, bus- three days of application. That didn't happen, but we do have some business owners who've gotten their their first initial grant. And so they fund provided funding for that as well. So within, what? two weeks that program it launched the PPP launched a week later within two weeks uh, it was out of money and what was really frustrating uh, were smaller businesses especially those who are self-employed 1099 contractors etc their application period didn't open until Friday April 10th which was Good Friday we didn't get guidance on how they should apply, like how they should calculate the amount they're eligible for until the following Tuesday. And that by Thursday it was out of money. So it was just an extremely fast and furious process, lots of confusion, lots of frustration. So hopefully what we're hoping this time around now, Congress has come and and the president needs to sign the bill. And from what I'm hearing, they're talking Monday, maybe for funds, but who knows could happen today, Friday, April 24th. Yeah. I don't know. But they they are funding more money for both programs, both the PPP and the EIDL. And uh, this time around, hopefully it will go smoother, A, because there's some more guidance out than there was the first time, and B, because we now have more lenders um, making these PPP loans and lenders who may not require that you have a relationship already with them you know, as a, as a business banking customer, or a business loan customer, for example. So we're hoping that round two will reach more small, smaller businesses.
0: Yeah, because that was my understanding is that a lot of this that was dealt with with your local bank, you know, naturally, they wanted to service their best and their biggest customers first that that in a way got preferential treatment. And a lot of the small businesses that needed the relief most kind of slipped through the cracks in that first round.
2: Yes, that's right. And and Brian, remember about 20% of small businesses don't even have a business bank account. Not something I recommend, but it's a reality. And then the other issue is not all banks are, and credit unions have offered these loans. So if you happen to have your business banking relationship with one that didn't, you may have felt frustrated because you didn't know where you could get one of these loans. So again, we're hoping this, this round will be a, a better experience for more of those business owners.
0: Yeah, I hope so. And now when we speak about small business, that would be 500 employees or less, correct?
2: Uh, Generally, that's correct. Uh, There's also something called SBA size standards. So based on the industry you're in, you might be able to qualify with more employees than 500. You have to look up the size standard tool on the SBA website to see. But then what was unique about PPP was normally the SBA has these very strict rules about what they call affiliation. So if you own, if you have owners who own multiple businesses, you have to add all those employees together to see how they qualify. And they waive those affiliation rules for, uh, businesses that that it's called a NAICS code. It's your industry code in 72, which is primarily hotels, restaurants, hospitality industry. So what happens here is it opens this loan program. Say you, um, Say you own a hotel and you're part of a bigger chain, but, you know, you're really on your own as, a say, a franchisee, right? So franchises also were exempted. So you you would become eligible where you may not have been traditionally eligible for an SBA loan program. So there's a, still a lot of confusion around that, too, because um, normally the SBA will cap out a certain amount for affiliated businesses, and in this case, PPP loans are capped to $10 million, but I've seen some press releases that indicated some companies got more than $10 million. so presumably they're using the multiple businesses to qualify for a larger dollar amount. So, yeah, a lot of money went quickly to, to what I would say is bigger small businesses, but, and it's very, very frustrating for the small business. I, I, I do want to emphasize that this, this loan program is primarily at keeping workers on payroll, Mm-hmm. And that's where I would say the biggest confusion comes in for business owners because, well, we can talk more about PPN P- 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 that way, but they're confused by, A, I'm going to pay my employees and they're not going to go to work. That's really confusing to them because maybe they can't go into work. It's a restaurant. There's They can't go into the job workplace or they're not essential business. They can't go into the workplace. And then... Um, the other thing is, you know, there there are a lot of businesses that are saying, hey, I, I have other expenses I need to pay, not just payroll. I have a lot of other expenses, but there's not enough money in PPP, the way the formula works, to help me pay those other expenses. So what do I do? So just go back to what this is designed to do. And it's primarily designed to keep employees of small businesses on the payroll. And that concludes yourself. You're the business owner. You need to get paid for eight weeks after you get this loan. Okay.
0: And maybe if we could, as kind of way of an overview, so much of this, whenever you hear about it on the news and like what we've just discussed is for the small businesses and the small business owner, could we kind of look at at the small business, the mid-sized business, and then the large guys, the publicly traded companies and see, you know, with this $2.2 trillion of, you know, stimulus that they've injected into the economy, how it targeted each, because dealing with a number of my clients that are in that that middle category where they're well over 500 employees but they're not publicly traded they're in that you know 1500 to 2000 employee range they feel that they've kind of been left out a little bit that the middle always gets the short end of the stick and they're not really sure where to turn for help even though they're struggling just as everybody else during this so can you touch on just a little bit next that like the mid and the large size companies
2: that's a great that's a great topic, Brian. I haven't spent a lot of time with the Main Street Lending Program. That's the program for your middle to larger size businesses, and that is a, a loan program that they may be be able to take advantage of. I honestly haven't spent much time on. I've been so focused and and uh, consumed with PBP and with EIDL. Uh, okay. So I would recommend that that's the program that you want to investigate and uh, perhaps talk with your bank. And also, I would say, we are, you know, at NAV, what we've done for years is match businesses to lenders. And if your business is deemed essential, there are still lenders who are lending to essential businesses. So don't rule out the idea that you can't, um, perhaps look for assistance from a, um, you know, from a traditional lender. Now, I understand most businesses really don't want to take on debt right now, especially with so much uncertainty, um, and that's a valid, very valid concern. At the same time. Some of these programs may offer low interest rate debt that may be enough to get you through you know, the, the immediate crisis. And then hopefully on the other side, um, you'll be able to, uh, to start to rebuild your business and, and service that debt.
0: Got it. Got it. So in, in theory, this whole thing was essentially like a bridge loan to try and get these businesses over this month or maybe two months of the shutdown. Is that the overall idea here?
2: Yes, yes, that definitely appears to be so. And disaster loans, which we can also go a little more detailed to those. So that's what's traditionally it's that program's been for. It's been to help the business business pay its you know essential bills, to, so get through the disaster, come out on the other side, and then reopen and hopefully uh, be successful.
0: Got it. Okay. And so, what are some of the the obstacles that these small business owners are encountering? Because it is true. I mean, small business is the backbone of America. And when you deal with a mom and pop shop that has 10 or 15 employees, they often don't have an HR person or a CFO or someone that can go dig through all this, uh, you know, legalese and and understand, you know, how to actually get these loans. What are some of the pros and cons of taking on the loans? Or is it all pros? Are there any cons to it? So can you just touch on some of those obstacles or maybe some of the confusion there?
2: Yes, yes. So it's very, very confusing. And I can tell you that I've talked to so many business owners, they hear all these acronyms thrown around EIDL and or IDL and PPP. And what does that mean? So I'll give a quick overview. So the the IDL or the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, I've mentioned before, this is a program that's been a around for a while, and what it does is it provides a low-cost working capital loan so the business can meet its obligations in the short term until the disaster is over. The interest rate is 3.75%. The repayment term can go up to 30 years, and it is um, it is a basically a working capital loan. Loans, so you could pay your vendors, pay your contractors, pay the rent, pay the you know the the essential bills that need to be paid, and it can include payroll if you need to pay yourself, you know, to to keep your business going so you can work in your business. That may be included as well. Uh, These uh, disaster loans with the CARES Act also come with an advance. And the language in the CARES Act states that it's an amount of up to $10,000 the business can request. So when that first came out, the assumption was you could request $10,000. It doesn't have to be repaid. And the idea was, okay, I'm going to get $10,000 in three days. That will give me the money I need really quickly to pay some bills. Well, two things happened. One is the three days did not happen. So the SBA was completely overwhelmed and it, no one got a grant in three days as stated in the legislation. The second thing that happened was the SBA was overwhelmed and they um, decided because there was were so many applications and, and a limited amount of funding, they decided the advance would be $1,000 per employee. So if you have... Five employees, you get $5,000. If you have 15 employees, you get $10,000. It's capped at $10,000. But that money comes into the bank account first, and it does not have to be repaid. And then after that, you're considered for a a loan. And typically, under the disaster loan, you get up to $25,000 in the first disbursement. Now, I have seen some indications that the first disbursement in this case might be $15,000, again, because there's so much need for these loans. But you, you're supposed to get this first disbursement, and then you can get additional funding. And some of the very early approvals were for some significant amounts of money. I mean, I did hear from people who got a million dollars under the EIDL program. So that's not a bad, you know, that, that can be very helpful for a business that is really impacted by the disaster. But you can use the money for all these different purposes. So that's the key to understand with EIDL.
0: Okay, so EIDL, the E-I-D-L, which was a, a much smaller pool of money than the PPP, which was the payroll protection. Is that Was that more liberal in its uses? Like that wasn't so tied to keeping employees on staff and such?
2: Correct. That disaster loan program has always been for working capital and many things can fall under working capital. You can't use it to refinance long-term debt, but you know you pay essential businesses. And, and one of the things we can touch on when we talk about PPP is you don't get PPP money to pay your contractors. So I've talked to many businesses that rely on independent contractors and those contractors under PPP can apply on their own, get their own money, but that doesn't mean they have to work for you for free, right? So, so we're business owner businesses that are dependent on independent contractors may need to look to idle for funding uh, to pay those contractors. Again, it will be a loan. It's not a, except for the grant portion, which is a small portion of it. Uh, it will be a loan, but it could be what you need to pay those contractors so you can keep your business. Operation. And is there a
0: cap? Is there a limit on that one?
2: Yes, $2 million. Okay. Uh, and and the SBA does require collateral. Well, we'll ask for collateral over $25,000 if it's available. So if you have a loan amount above $25,000 and collateral is available, they will take collateral. And that could include home equity of the owners. So you just want to understand that you, know, you may apply for both loan programs and then decide, hey, you know what? I'm not going to take more than $25,000 on idle because I don't want to pledge, you know, my home equity is collateral. Uh, or you may decide it's okay. You know, you're, all, you're okay with that because you feel confident you'll repay the loan. But I do want to point that one twist out because that's a common feature of SBA loans that was waived for PPP.
0: Okay, interesting. One of the things I've, I've heard so much about is there's just a tremendous amount of money flowing out very, very quickly that we've never seen before is oversight and like you just mentioned you know that a, a business can use this idle money for so many different uses but not such as refinancing other debt so if a business owner is sitting there saying hey you know i have a line out there at 8 or 9% you know for whatever reason when they took that on it was a higher interest rate and they say okay now i can get a, a you know working capital here at 3.75 who is sitting there saying hey don't pay off that debt use it to help your business right now like How are they ever going to track all of this?
2: Yeah, that's such a good question. And it is, you know, it is, it is a concern. Um, I'm I'm most concerned about outright fraud. You know, people who are applying who don't really have a business and are just going to pocket the money. And and when the when the grant was announced, there were all kinds of crazy threads on Reddit about, you know, Uber drivers who were going to use that money to pay off their car. And you know, that's not the oh, wow. not what that was intended for at all. Um, but I what I do recommend for the business owner who is, you know, trying to use this money to keep their business afloat is that you document it very carefully, keep good records because there will be audits in the future. They they always come back and audit audit these kinds of programs. It, not everyone's going to get audited. Um, and as long as you can demonstrate that you were acting in good faith, you used it for the, you know, the purposes it's intended to, you know, you should be fine. Um, I'm not a lawyer, so I can't give you that as legal advice, but um, but you definitely want to, A, keep good records and be able to document it in the future, you know, it could be a couple years before they're really able to take a good look at what happened just because of the breadth and depth of this, you know, current crisis. And then you'll also, you may even want to put it in a separate bank account. So I've heard that recommendation that can get a little bit of trick, a little bit tricky because you may have bills that come auto pay out of your business bank account. So that can get a little tricky, but whatever you do, if you're someone who normally just hands the shoebox to your accountant and you don't deal with it too well, make sure you're keeping Track of how this money is spent. It's, it's important.
0: Okay, no, I think that's a best practice. That that sounds smart. And I, I just have so many questions that are kind of coming to mind with this. I deal with a, a lot of folks that are pretty heavily invested in real estate, uh, both commercial and residential properties that are being rented out and and leased to you know various tenants. They may also be feeling the squeeze and saying, you know, well my tenants are hurting now. I'm not getting paid. You know, the rent that I'm owed. There's different notices that have gone out about how you're unable or or a little more restricted and the possibility of ever evicting someone throughout all this. Do any of these things, these programs apply to someone like that, like a landlord that, you know, they are a business of sorts, Uh, granted, it's not so actively managed as a mom and pop shop?
2: Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question because the EIDL application when you get it's an online application and here's a tip the only place to apply for EIDL is on the SBA website. Now, they do have an address if you need to mail it in but the online application is the way you want to go. The it's sba.gov. That's the only place you apply. So there's a lot of confusion, people think they applied for EIDL but they applied through a lender. Well, they applied for PPP. But it's no wonder people are confused. These we're not used to these acronyms being thrown around. I get it. Uh, my brain gets muddled by the end of the day. So with um, Idol, there is actually a line for lost rent. So the very first financial questions they're going to ask you, and here's the weird thing about Idol: You don't ask for a loan amount. You don't say, here's how much I need. You don't even calculate, here's how much you need. You mm-hmm. put in your... Uh, revenues for gross revenues for 2019. You put a good cost of goods sold, and then if you are a landlord, you put in lost rents. So that's the there's actually a spot a to put that in. where they? Um, that's where it gets a little bit tricky. I would try. I would try to. I would try to get some something in writing, even if it's an email or text or something from your tenant stating when you know whether they're going to be able to pay the rent uh, because it's you're supposed to be impacted by the disaster but we all know that you know there's plenty of people who were able to make this month's rent but they know they won't make next month's rent they just they know that's not going to happen so try to get whatever you can try to get a, a line of communication with something in writing and then if you have questions about that uh, part of the the application, you can either call the SBN and the Disaster Assistance Hotline, which is right on their website, or you can get help with that from your local small business development center or your, you know, if you have a financial advisor who's helping with that as well. It's a little tricky with the with, for those who haven't been impacted, but know they will be impacted. So I would have something to document, you know, what what you expect. But here's okay. the other thing. You can go back and ask for more money. So if you get approved initially for idle based on what's going on right now, and, and they know that, I mean, they they know that there are people, there are landlords or businesses who won't get paid next month. Right. We know, we know that some are getting paid for previous work, but they, the, the future work is going to go down. So they're, they're trying their best they can to deal with the uncertainty of this disaster. So, um, it is not designed to replace lost sales, but it is designed to provide the working capital you need. So so do the best you can, get advice when you can, and then you can talk to the SBA case manager who is assigned. Once you get, you know, once you get a, a communication from the SBA, we've, we're processing your application now. It's usually the first sign is a deposit for the grant, and then after that, uh, the loan, then you can discuss it with them. So you can okay, go back it. to the well a second time if there are funds still available.
0: Understood. And I'm glad we spent some time there because I don't think you hear as much about the the EIDL, the EIDL program, as you do the PPP, which seems to kind of dominate headlines.
2: So, yes. And and you were right though, Brian, when you mentioned the funding is smaller for EIDL. So you do want to get in that line if you haven't already. It's all the, yeah. the reauthorization is going to be $60 billion for EIDL and $310 billion for PPP. Got it.
0: And again, the, the EIDL is just through the SBA. That's where you're Correct. Going. Okay. Correct. And then switching gears, if I may, right back to the PPP. If you can just define terms quickly, when people say, am I laid off or am I furloughed? There's a lot of confusion there of what is even the difference between the two and why does it matter? Can you touch on that for a moment?
2: Well, for PPP, it's not really going to matter either way. So um, my understanding is laid off is you were laid off. We don't promise to bring you back for is We we are going to bring you back in your job if that job is available. You know, once this is once we start rehiring. Uh, but for PPP, it really doesn't matter what, what PPP is aimed at. Again, we'll we'll go back to give the overview. It's aimed at providing, helping employers keep employees on payroll for the eight weeks after they get the loan. So the, the minute that bank account hits your business bank, the minute the, the deposit hits your business bank account for it, for that money, the next eight weeks is crucial for determining whether you can get that money forgiven. So let's, let's just do a quick scenario. You know, you, you apply for PPP based on two and a half times your average monthly payroll. Now payroll is the salary wages and tips, which in, it can be estimated for, you know, if you, if you're if you have a restaurant and and your employee your your waitresses and waiters are deposit you know getting the tips directly and you don't have a record of all that, you can estimate that but you it also includes things like benefits like medical insurance, retirement plans et cetera so vacation pay et cetera so you 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 can only include up to one hundred thousand dollars in salary or wages per employee. So if you have employees who are making, say, $130,000, you'd only include the $100,000, first $100,000 of their wages in calculating how much you get for PPP. But then you could add on those other benefits. So those could be on top of the wages they receive. So you look at your payroll, average monthly payroll, either the last 12 months or for 2019. And then you're going to multiply that by 2.5. And that's going to give you your loan amount. So if you think about it a minute, we're talking and about to $10 million, correct, correct. Okay. So if you think about it, we're looking at two and a half times average monthly payroll. And then you're going to spend that over a period of eight weeks, two months. So there's a little extra, what, half percent there that, um, That is there as a buffer for other essential purposes, and those could include uh, rent, mortgage interest, and utilities for your business. Now, it doesn't. It's not exactly that half percent. What happens is after you get the money and you spend it over that eight weeks, you can apply for forgiveness, and what the guidance says. Is you have to spend at least 75 percent of the proceeds on payroll the other up to 25 percent can be for those other purposes okay and then it also gets into this very convoluted confusing calculation <laughs> about about wages about full-time equivalent wages and salaries you can't reduce salary or wages more than 25 percent the guidance is terribly unclear. I uh, tried to tackle it in a 3,000-word article, <laughs> so it's, there's still a lot of questions. Um, but that's the basic idea. And and again, business owners are so confused about the idea that they're going to pay their employees even if they can't come into work. But if you think about what that does, is it does two things. One is it keeps, well, three things. One is it keeps them off unemployment. Two, it allows you to continue paying their benefits so you can keep them on their your medical program if you offer that for, you know, for example. And three, it keeps those employees with you so that hopefully in eight weeks, you'll start to reopen and you won't have lost those employees. You know, they, you won't have lost them. Now, it is creating some real... Interesting dilemmas. Uh, I have gotten a lot of questions from uh, business owners who said my employees feel they can make more money off of unemployment because now we have this additional $600 a week on top of your state benefits that yep. it's available under the yep. pandemic unemployment assistance. So I'm um, again, a lot of questions about that. There are some business owners say my employees are not happy that I'm continuing to pay them. Uh, but if you offer benefits, it's important to make sure the employee understands that they, w- they can retain those benefits during this time, which is really important, especially something like medical insurance where you don't wanna be left with insurance during this COVID crisis.
0: Got it, got it. And it would just quickly, like you mentioned, a lot of people feel they could get more on unemployment in some scenarios. What happens if that employee, let's say they're a waiter, waitress, or bartender, what have you, says, you know what, I'd rather just quit right now, go on unemployment for the next five, six weeks, and I'll be okay. Uh, is that in some way, shape, or form harming the company? Or they'll just document that as you know the employee voluntarily left?
2: Yeah, it gets pretty tricky because the SBA hasn't really given good guidance on that. But what happens is if you don't maintain the payroll, it's not as if you um, wipe out all forgiveness, it reduces forgiveness. So you could, let's say, reduce your forgiveness by 20%. So you a hundred thousand dollars and eighty thousand dollars is forgiven the twenty thousand dollars that you're left with that isn't forgiven becomes a loan at one percent there are no payments for this first six months and then uh, it's a two-year repayment period so that's still a, a pretty inexpensive sure. source of funding but yeah, most businesses want to get the forgiven loan right?
0: <laughs> yeah nothing beats free money yep
2: Yeah, and I should mention one thing real quick, Brian. If you do have a business where that's a scenario where your your employees, let's say you don't offer medical insurance, they're lower-wage employees, they don't want to come back to work, they'd rather collect unemployment, um, talk to your accountant because there is also a payroll tax credit that may be a better – option for you. but And I'm not an expert on that. I haven't spent a lot of time with that. But you cannot get the payroll tax credit and PPP. And so you, there might be a different option for you that's that's better for your business.
0: Got it. Got it. And a follow-up question, maybe to conclude on the PPP, what should a business owner do if they've been turned down? Or has that even happened? Is it just kind of, they're getting it out so fast that everybody who applies is almost entitled to it?
2: No, I have heard from some people who have been turned down, although I haven't seen the rejection letters. So the biggest obstacle is that people are just not getting through the system because the lender has to process the application. And then every single loan application has to go through the SBA to get an SBA number. The SBA has to keep track of the funding that's been authorized right under this mm-hmm. program. So the, it's been a bottleneck quite honestly. Now they have done some things to try to improve that and, you know, fingers crossed round two will be smoother. But what I'm recommending to business owners is apply at multiple places. You know, traditionally I've talked about SBA loans for years. And what I've said to a business owner is just because you can't get an SBA loan from one bank, doesn't mean you can't get it from another. As long as you don't have a disqualifier, like, you know, a felony and the, or you're on probation or something like that, that would disqualify you. Then you you can look elsewhere so what i'm suggesting for round two is that business owners actually check with a few different lenders Uh, it appears to be fine to file an application with multiple lenders see who gets to you fastest but then once that once that loan is going to be submitted to the sba then i would you know definitely notify the other lenders where i applied and just say hey you know, I've, I'm getting approved through the SBA or I've been approved through the SBA uh, and I want to withdraw my application elsewhere. You 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 do have to certify that you don't have an application pending elsewhere, but you can do that. It's, it appears to be you can do that at the time, you know, when they're submitting your application. And then it's also important, to you know, you can only get one PPP loan for your business. Multiple okay. businesses, it appears they can apply for multiple businesses, but that's another tricky topic I, I wrote about in a separate article.
0: Okay. And so, we know a little bit now about Idol and about PPP, these large companies, which I know that's not your bread and butter with the publicly traded companies, but there's been so much in the news the past two weeks about Ruth Chris, uh, Shake Shack, even a lot, a lot of colleges and universities, Princeton, Harvard, etc., uh, that received these funds. And people were in an uproar saying, why did they even get them in the first place when we're talking about small business owners? But can you just uh, address that for a moment?
2: yeah that's a really, really good question, and it's extremely frustrating for main street businesses and I would say it's even more frustrating in light of the fact that those small small businesses couldn't apply till seven days later after the bigger small businesses and then uh, and then they didn't get guidance on how to apply until two days before it ran out of money so uh, I think we you know we should we should be outraged that the The very small businesses that our economy depends on and who employ a a large, large uh, percentage of the American workforce have not gotten this funding. And let's hope round two is a different story because they need this funding to stay in business. The average business uh brian ad- average small business this is a study from jp morgan chase of like six hundred thousand small businesses it has about 27 days worth of cash available so we're right at that crucial point where there are businesses sure. who are saying there's nothing left you know if i don't get help, i'm closing my doors and so we have to get this right this time
0: yeah how did those big guys how did they get it in the first place though like were they like for some loophole or for some reason entitled to that
2: yeah, I, I haven't studied the individual cases, but I'm presuming that it was this expansion of the uh, waiver of the affiliation rules. So that when you look at it as a big business, it's a big business. When you look at each individual location, each individual location employs less than 500 workers. Um, they were there is a there is a requirement in the CARES Act that you're supposed to certify that this money is necessary to support the ongoing operations of the business. Uh, during this crisis. I'm forgetting the exact language, but it's basically saying that we need this money to keep, you know, to keep the business going. Okay. But at the same time, there wasn't other language in the CARES Act that said it's the sense of Congress that all businesses have been impacted. So, you know, I I presume these businesses said, said hey, this looks like Congress wants to help us pay our employees who we might otherwise lay off. So let's Get this program. Um, but
0: even though they were over that 500 employee <laughs> mark?
2: Well, they would have had to have met the affiliation waiver. Standards. So they would. So I'm not even sure the Harvard story is true. I I haven't had a time to investigate that. I just heard it yesterday, but they have to be over 500 employees. But when you look at something like a franchise where individual locations have smaller amounts, or a business where in the hospitality industry where there is a corporate owner but individual locations have less than 500 owners the CARES Act clearly made an exemption for that, right? So I'm not saying it's right at all. And I certainly understand that there are franchisees who have, or essentially small business owners, even though they're sure. part of a lit larger franchise and they need help. So, you know, it's, it, um, I think, I so think So because of Congress- that language
0: there, could both the franchisor mm-hmm requests up to 10 million and then also I don't believe so
2: no No, I believe it's the franchisee but we also had the waiver for the hospitality industry right so the NAICS codes beginning in 72 so that includes many restaurants and many um, hotels so there was there was that waiver for the NAICS codes. so that's presumably where that where that exception came up and where they determined that they qualify, but, but I also tell you, Brad, because I read a lot of um, legal blogs on the affiliation rules, trying to trying to write about it for businesses that own multiple businesses, and yep. even there, it, there was a lot of confusion. So you have oh, yeah. to understand, you know. I'm, uh, look, i look. I certainly want. I am outraged that small, small businesses have not gotten the funding they need. They need yeah. this funding. Um, I, know. I think
0: people will be picking this thing apart for the next decade, at least and just what happened in a, a matter of a month.
2: They will. They will. Absolutely. But I will say that the, and it happened so quickly. So, so fast in a blink of an eye. Remember, an SBA loan application typically is over like 40 pages long. It's, I've read the standard operating procedures for these. They're a few hundred pages, right? And yet, we tried to get these loans into the hands of small businesses with a one and a half page application and guidance that was pretty vague in a period of a week.
0: Yeah. Wow. So,
2: things. It's crazy. Yeah things definitely pretty crazy
0: on. what are what are some of your thoughts looking kind of from the 10,000 foot view of if the government just said okay we're going to try and create a stimulus of sorts of 2.2 trillion dollars which is just an enormous number i think people can't even really fathom and in theory that was going to get us over this hump for like about a month of shutting down the world's biggest economy if now we're about to enter may Some states want to open. Other states don't. You have all this kind of, uh, you know, debate raging on. If time goes on where, you know, the health officials come back and say, whoa, we can't open up yet, you know, for whatever reason, do we do this again? Or at at what point do you say, hey, guys, you know, we can't really help much more. There's, There's not any more money that we can print.
2: Yeah, that's such a good question. And I'm anticipating there will be further rounds of assistance. You know, what it should look like is tricky because one thing this has really exposed very clearly is the differences in how small businesses run. You know, you have a small business with a hundred and 50 employees and you have a finance manager and you run it through payroll and everything is very official. And then you have a small business that hires six or seven independent contractors or maybe 150 independent contractors in the case of something like a tutoring business, for example. And they don't have big payroll, but they also have to pay these contractors if they want to keep their business going. And PPP doesn't allow them to include contractors in their calculation and then we have so many small businesses who are just uh you know one or two people who use other businesses services as they need them and some of them aren't even clear on their you know how, how much money they make in their business their accountant you know their their bookkeeper takes care of that and then they the accountant does the tax return and they You know, file it on their Schedule C. So there's so many different scenarios that are making it very, very difficult to figure out. You know what what does a small business need? Because Congress clearly wants to help the small business survive. I mean, at least to the extent that we have the IDLE program and some help from PPP. But they operate in such different ways that trying to figure out what's the best way to help them is very challenging. Now, one one thing that I do think is encouraging is uh, grant programs on the state and local level. I'd love to see more funding for that. I think that's where you can really identify the businesses that have needs in the community. And grants, I think, for those very small businesses is can be an appropriate way to go. And I'll give you a quick example, where I live in Florida, in Sarasota, Florida, there is a a grant fund that has just been made available, and they're going to uh, set aside a certain percentage, I think it's about 30% for daycare businesses. And daycare businesses are essential, right? We they some of them are now serving uh, the families of essential workers, um, frontline responders, and then they also they need to be there when you know when when parents can send their children back to daycare, school. They need to be there, but they're often overlooked in many of these you know many of these uh, programs, and so. That's the kind of thing that I would love to see emphasized in round two, and there's so many good groups at the state and local level who work with small businesses in their communities and know what the needs are.
0: I agree. I think that's a great idea. And along those lines, I just have two final questions for you. Uh, the first that I wanted to ask is if you can just kind of play the role for Monday morning quarterback for a moment. Is there anything that you wish uh, Congress, the Fed treasury um, did over the past month or so or anything you wish they did not do is is there any advice looking backwards that you would say um could have been improved upon
2: yes i wish they had given clear guidance much faster there are still questions that we have about forgiveness for example and remember this money is hitting businesses bank accounts now from the first round. And it will be hitting businesses bank accounts very quickly from the second round. And it is not clear in many situations how to document and apply forgiveness. There's a rehiring provision, for example, that allows you to rehire before June 30th uh, in order to maximize forgiveness, but it's completely unintelligible in context of the rest of the, you know, the rest of the bill and so, uh, and the rest of the guidance. And so we have got to have clear guidance so that it's easy and clear, not just for the business owner, but their advisors too. I can tell you, Brian, I've talked to financial advisors and CPAs and attorneys who say we cannot advise because this is not clear. This is not written in a clear way. We don't have clear guidance. So that is absolutely needed. And it's needed right now for the funds that are coming available in round two.
0: Yep. And I think that was just a, uh, in a consequence of having to rush to get this thing out so quickly. And so lastly, is there anything that you would advise, you know, the small business owners out there uh, right now and, and even moving forward, any general advice or anything you'd like them to hear?
2: the most important thing i can say is get your uh, get make sure you're up to date on your numbers and you know if you have an accountant and you're on top of this great if you don't you need to get caught up because that's where the biggest hurdle has been for many of the small businesses that I talk to is that they they got an extension on their 2019 tax return, so they haven't done it yet, but then they need that information from that tax return in order to apply for PPP. So you really need to make sure that you're up to date, your accountant is your best friend, you're talking to your, you know, financial advisors. If it's a labor issue, you get some HR advice about hiring Firing and rehiring because that's going to make, make or break what happens in the next two months.
0: Got it. Got it. Yeah. Definitely a lot to keep on top of right now. And just for some of our listeners and viewers out there, Jerry, where can, where can folks uh, follow you or find out more about some of the advice that you're offering?
2: Yeah, we, uh, we have lots and lots of articles. I think we published 38 articles on these COVID related relief loans in the past three weeks. But you wow. can visit me at NAV, N-A-V is in Victor. So NAV.com. You can fill out an application for us to match you to lenders offering PPP loans. You can read use our calculator to figure out how much you may qualify for uh, for your PPP loan. And then you can also read uh, the articles. And, and if you don't read anything else, read the article on forgiveness because uh, it's, it's, it's an important topic.
0: Got it. Got it. That's a great resource and very timely to say the least. Anything else that you you want to share with uh, our listeners before we sign off for today?
2: No, just hang in there, be persistent, you know, keep your, keep your eyes open for whatever comes along. We are seeing new programs coming out on the state and local level. So look for those as well. And uh, I know, you know, uh, entrepreneurship is always lonely, right? But uh, it can feel especially lonely right now, and so make sure that you're, um, you know, engaging with other business owners and others uh, groups who can help you navigate this this next phase.
0: Yep, I think that was well said, and it's so true that saying we're hearing now that we're all alone together, and mm-hmm. uh, there's no other way to put it. So everyone, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Kaderna Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. Today, we've been fortunate to have Jerry Detweiler on the show, uh, giving us some great uh, tips today. And again, you can follow her at www.nav.com. Jerry, thanks again for uh, showing up today.
2: Oh, thank you, Brian.
1: The Coderna podcast is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guardian and its subsidiaries do not provide tax, legal, social security, student loan, mortgage, or real estate advice. Listeners should contact their own tax, accounting, or legal advisors, or the social security department in this matter. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Brian Coderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PASS, 300 Broadacres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003. Securities, product services, and advisory services are offered through PASS, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Seven three two four 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 two zero. Financial representative, The Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Pass is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Caderna Financial Team and International Planning Alliance LLC are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Pass or Guardian. Caderna Financial Team is a division of International Planning Alliance LLC, a general agency of Guardian. Pass is a member of FINRA/SIPC. California insurance license number OK zero four 04194. Content of the Caderna podcast is copyrighted by Brian M. Caderna. All rights reserved. Any redistribution or reproduction of part or all of the content in any form is prohibited without prior permission from the Caderna podcast. The views and opinions expressed herein may not be those. Of of Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. Guardian does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of of the information or opinions presented herein. Any third-party materials referenced cannot be endorsed or verified by Guardian and are used as the opinion of the author. Guardian, its subsidiaries or affiliates do not provide or issue or advise for mortgages. This material contains the current opinions of the author but not necessarily those of Guardian or its subsidiaries and such opinions are subject to change without notice.